Hello and welcome to A Graduate's Guide 2 with me, Molly CP. Expect bursts of profanity, plenty of early 2000s references and an obsession with our words from the outset of this podcast and throughout. Just a trigger warning before this episode begins, I'm going to be talking about mental health this episode, which will include subjects of suicide, prescription drugs, among other topics. My lovelies, my queens, and everything in between. This is a very spontaneous episode that I only decided to film about 10 minutes ago, because basically one of my housemates has tested positive for coronavirus, God bless her soul. We are sending her all our love here at the podcast and hoping she gets better ASAP. So I am going to be isolating for a short while along with the rest of my housemates. So I thought, why not make some extra podcast episodes whilst I'm here? So I'm going to be posting this episode maybe tonight, if not later in the week. And I will film another episode this week. I mean, record. (laughs) You get what I mean. And then I will perhaps do two to three episodes next week. So lucky you guys are going to get even more content than normal. It's just going to be a short little episode because I am going to be filming a long episode which I'll post on Sunday. I'm going to keep the topic a surprise because I'm really excited about it and something I'm very passionate about. So I felt this was a good little filler episode to give some context behind my mental health background. It will hopefully give my following episode more substance because you know a bit more about my mental health past and I'm hoping the two episodes will complement each other very nicely. Where to begin? I feel it's very hard to know where my, I guess, mental health struggles started. I think I've always been, well, I know I've always been a bit of a worrier. I remember in year one, I didn't have the nicest teacher and I think she made me really anxious. So my teachers always tell me to stop fussing and stop worrying because I'd always worry if another child in the playground was upset, if two girls in my class weren't getting along. I'd always, <laughs> I kind of sound like a tattletale, but when I was about six or seven, I'd always make it the teacher's knowledge because I wanted everyone to be happy and everyone to get along. And equally, I did not take criticism or being told off very well when I was little because at my primary school, we used to have courtesies, which is what you'd be rewarded if you applied. And I remember I didn't finish my banana, so I lost a courtesy and I was absolutely heartbroken. I remember crying for hours and then they felt so bad they gave my courtesy back because personally, I think she's a bit of a bitch. Sorry if you're listening, hun, but you are. So I digress. I've always been a bit of a worrier and I wouldn't say an anxious child, but I think I would overthink things because when my mum went in for her hip replacements when I was younger there was a year between them and I remember as soon as she came back from the first I was already worrying about the one that was in years time and she sat down with me we had this little Snoopy daily calendar and she'd held up a chunk and was like Molly look this is how long it'll be till I next go in so I think it shows that I have always overthought and worried about the future and not always been that present so I think that's my first memory of struggling with my mental health then when I got to high school um I don't remember in my younger years struggling that much but I remember when I got to about year 10 I had really bad anxiety but I didn't even know what anxiety was all I knew is that I'd overthought every move my friends did I remember if my friend looked at me a certain way or they turned their shoulder a certain way I'd sit in my car with my mum after she picked me up from school and break down every single movement and be like so and so looked at me this way and then they turned their shoulder and then they lifted their head 
I don't know how my mum coped with it. She's an absolute legend. But I was so worried that people annoyed at me or I say something to upset someone so I'd never say a bad word about anyone because I was so, so worried about being interpreted in a certain way. But then when I got to sixth form, I definitely got better because basically we were in all girls school year seven to 11 and it was mixed in sixth form. So I think having boys there definitely made it a bit more of a chill environment, a bit more jokey and whatnot, and I definitely worried a lot less. In December of the same year, I ended up getting my first and only boyfriend. So I was a very happy bunny. I had the most wonderful time and we ended up breaking up, well, he broke up with me, um, beginning of October of year 13. And my mental health just went horrendously downhill. I was never diagnosed with depression, but I definitely held those traits. And I did have suicidal thoughts, to be perfectly honest. I remember looking into it a lot and researching it. I never stood by a train. I'm like, imagine if I jumped, what would happen then? And I remember really, this is quite graphic. So please feel free to skip ahead 30 seconds. But I went on work experience um, on a television set. And I was staying in this house and there's a shower curtain. I thought about the shower curtain for like a few days. And I was like, what if I just did it here? My family aren't here. They're not going to find me. They're not going to be hurt. And it was just this really continuous cycle for quite a long time. But luckily, I never did that. You know, I managed to get myself out of that hole and realise there's more to life, which there is, by the way. For anyone going through a breakup, there is more to life, I promise you. So I think that's probably when I realised that my mental health wasn't quite right because I think that is quite an extreme reaction to a breakup and then when I got to university I was definitely quite an anxious person my first year flatmate Zoe shout out to you Zoe if you're listening love you girl she was really good with my anxiety because she realized all I really needed was a reassurance so I'd often repeat questions but I'd often repeat things I go are you sure that's okay are you sure they're not honored are you sure I didn't do this or that blah 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 And just hearing the answer once wouldn't be enough. I'd need to hear it again and again and again to believe. And I think that's when I realised... Actually, I didn't even realise, to be honest. I think I was still in denial because I felt the reassurance made it better. So that was something I really struggled with in first year. And I'd overthink my actions, especially when I was drunk. Because I would black out quite a lot. So then I'd get really bad beer fear the next day and think oh my god what do I say to people was I embarrassing was I rude and that caused me going into second year to have really bad anxiety about drinking yeah very paranoid about being out of control I'd really worry about getting too drunk because I wouldn't want to forget things and then I'd constantly ask my friends the next day I actually still do this now when I'm in third year did I do anything embarrassing was I weird what did I do was I rude to anyone and I just panic and panic and panic and I always forget, um, my best friend Loz always reminds me that everyone else around you is drunk. No one is focusing on you as much as you're focusing on yourself. So that's something I do really try and hold with me. But I definitely think that is to do with my mental health issues that I overthink so much and I worry a ridiculous amount about what people think of me and how I behave. I tell myself in my head that I have to be the perfect person 24-7 and if I do anything below that standard that I'm just the most awful human being in the world. Second year, my mental health definitely ebbed and flowed. I'd have good days and bad days. It would just be really dependent on the current state of my life, my relationships with people and whatnot. I was definitely less anxious when I wasn't drinking, because I do really like drinking, I mean, (laughs) obviously. 
but I didn't like the after effects. I didn't like how I felt the next day and how I'd worry about everything, etc., etc. And my mental health, as I think most of the world's did, took a huge decline when lockdown happened. I think because I had a lot of time with my own thoughts because there was nothing to do. And I'd become really fixated on one thing or another. And it constantly go round and round and round in my head. And I'd be asking people for reassurance and saying, is this normal? Is this right? And it was just so toxic and exhausting being in my brain. So that was really tough. And I assumed coming back to university for third year, I'd feel fine again. But my anxieties were transpired into COVID. So I would constantly worry about getting COVID and I'd be washing everything. I'd be scared about hugging people and seeing people. And it was weird. I didn't care as much about other people getting COVID. And when I mean, I don't mean me passing on. I mean, if my housemate, like now, got it, I wouldn't be annoyed at all. But if I got it myself and then passed it on to people, so let's say I was the first person in my household catch it, I personally would feel so guilty and I just feel so disgusted and horrible with myself because that's just how my brain works. I'm very self-blaming. So even though I'd never do that to another person, I would never blame them once because I know it can't be helped. I would do that to myself and I would just bully myself so badly about it. So that's why I'd get so anxious because I'd feel out of control. However, when we got a bit more used to socialising again, I definitely slowly became more comfortable And with lateral flow tests coming out, I felt more in control because I could take more regular tests. But something that really affected my mental health was TikTok. I got TikTok in lockdown, as I think most people did. But it was just so toxic for me. I feel like I was being really influenced by it. I was, you know, taking on others' opinions as my own fashion sense and whatnot. And then my friend Loz was like, Molly, you're just not yourself anymore. It feels like you've lost your sense of identity. And it took me a while, but I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I don't feel like myself anymore. I was just really mismatched and just felt awful. So eventually, Loz convinced me and I convinced myself to go to therapy, which was the best decision I've ever made in my life because I always assumed I just had generalized anxiety disorder. I just thought that was it and then when I explained to my now therapist how my brain works and how I responded to situations she diagnosed me with OCD to be specific pure OCD which is a pure obsessional so I don't suffer from compulsions so I have no physical compulsions you know I don't think if I walk down the road a certain way someone's going to die or I have to walk that that route again and again and again until it's perfect I luckily don't suffer with things like that I suffer with intrusive thoughts so it's my brain telling me things that aren't part of my moral compass I won't go into too many specifics because I don't want to trigger anyone or I don't want to affect anyone else's intrusive thoughts because I notice sometimes if someone talks about their intrusive thoughts I then will worry and take them on as my own so I'm not going to mention too many I'll just do some very general ones but um a common one which I didn't even know was intrusive thought is when you stand by a train you imagine jumping in front of it I thought everyone did that turns out that's not very normal in sense it's not someone who's neurotypical wouldn't do that and then also I will convince myself that my friends are annoyed at me don't know why I do it I will my brain will go that person's annoyed at you 
There's no reason for them to be annoyed at me at all, but I will convince myself. It is just ridiculous and it is so exhausting. And my therapist taught me that reassurance is one of the worst things you can do because you'll never be satisfied with the result. And ultimately that can push people in your life away when you constantly ask them, are you annoyed at me? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because they will end up being annoyed at you because you're asking them so many times. Also, prior to me starting therapy, because I hadn't found the therapist quite right for me yet, I began taking an anti-anxiety stroke antidepressant. I'm just going to grab it. It's just next to me. It is called Citalopram. I was recommended to it by a friend who uses it. Initially, they put me on 10 milligrams because I asked for the lowest dose because I was unsure of how it would affect me. And then I upped it to 20 milligrams a month later because I wasn't feeling the effects. And finally, we found the right dose. And I think it's the maximum dose. I'm on 40 milligrams of citalopram and it has changed my life. I always thought there was such a stigma behind taking antidepressants. I thought, God, and same with therapy, actually. I thought, oh gosh, you have to be really sick to have that. I'm not sick, I'm fine. I almost felt like I was making something out of nothing. But now from going through therapy and being on this medication since I think October, I feel like a new person. Like, I can't even explain it. I'm so much calmer. I don't panic in as many situations. For example, in September, the idea of having to isolate, I would have had a mental breakdown. But now I've managed to take control, handle my emotions and stay calm. And I'm so proud of myself for getting to that point, to be honest. But the reason I wanted to emphasise the fact that I take medication is you shouldn't be ashamed of it. I think it's something to be really proud of and embrace actually that you've been brave enough to go to the doctors and ask for help. I think that's the coolest and sexiest thing someone can do. Boy or girl or whatever gender you identify as, please go seek help if you need it. I know it's hard and I know it feels stigmatised but the great thing about being a coronavirus is you just have to speak to a doctor over the phone. Far less intimidating. Same with a lot of therapists. I FaceTime my therapist and I find it a lot easier to open up because I'm in the comfort of my own bedroom and I feel like I'm in control. So I just wanted to give you that little insight into my mental health journey. To be honest, the journey's still ongoing. So I can't say I'm cured or whatnot. You, you never get cured from OCD. It's something you have for life. You just learn to manage with it and have coping mechanisms and grounding techniques. But this is where I'm at in my journey at the moment. I'm sure date you on my mental health and my journey. But that was just a little podcast, a bit self-centered, all about me. And the podcast I'm going to be releasing on Sunday is going to be a good one. So I really hope you all tune in and love to you all. Just to add on, um, this is crazy, but my housemates... PCR test came back which is the coronavirus test it's sent to the lab and it's negative so out celebrating tonight but just wanted to update you guys at the end love you all